Welcome to JS for Justice podcast. If live breaking news and following true crime is your thing, then please consider subscribing to my channel. And if you like what you see in my videos, please consider giving them a thumbs up. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Jay is for Justice. My name is Jay, and welcome to my channel. If you are new here, thank you for joining this morning. And all the new members, thank you. Datset1031 became a member right before the stream started. Thank you, thanks. Um, thanks to Sister Knives and Shell for being here early to uh, mod for me. I appreciate all of you. We are going to be going over day three of Barry Morphew's preliminary hearing. The first two days were very interesting. The first day, I think we all kind of felt like, wow, some reasonable doubt there. Second day, not so much. But let's give it a minute here. Let's let some more people join, and then we will get into the recap of yesterday. And just to make it all that more exciting, I have not seen anything about yesterday's hearing. Nada. Not one thing. So I'm going into this blindly. I have no idea what happened. So it should be interesting. I'm sure you guys are all ahead of me. You've seen all the different videos out already and following Twitter yesterday and all that good stuff. So I'm going into this blind. So... And with this case, you never know what to expect. You haven't seen anything either, Shell? Ah, so this will be a surprise to both of us. Let's get it up to a hundred guys and then we'll get we'll get started. Share this out with your friends. Share this out in your Facebook groups. Share, share, share. Let's discuss and go over day three. That's what I need to do, Shell. You're welcome, Dad said. Thank you for joining. This is going to be interesting. All right. Um, let's see here. So yesterday, and they are getting ready to start day four um, in about an hour or so. So today is going to be the final day. And then tomorrow at 10 a.m., we will reconvene here and we'll talk about um day four and then we will wait with bated breath for the judge's decision so let's go ahead let's get started um court stored court started great way to start it jay court started shortly after 8 a.m with the continuation of the cross-examination of retired fbi agent johnny grusing by defense attorney drew nielsen 
The hearing started with detailing the five trash runs Barry allegedly made on May 10th, 2020. Prosecutors had mentioned this in previous days of the preliminary hearing. He stopped at a RTD bus stop in, in Broomfield, a hotel where he checked in, a McDonald's, a men's warehouse, and a Holiday Inn where he checked into. Oh, it did, Shell. It just went out. Okay, so let's give it a second. We were a little bit ahead of the tubes today. So basically, they recapped and they went over again the numerous trash stops. And then um, we're going to get a little more detailed, it looks like, on these trash stops. Ooh, there's some interesting deets here. Okay. Are more people coming in now that notifications went out? <laughs> or is it too early for everybody? I was up late last night, too. I was live until like 2 in the morning, I think. 1.30. Woo. The Summer Wells case is getting crazy. Crazy, crazy. It's been crazy, but it's getting crazier. Okay, so the hearing started with the five trash runs being detailed. The first stop was at a bus stop in Broomfield, where there are visible cameras. Grusing confirmed that Barry threw away, quote-unquote, junk here. There were no photos or videos of Barry at this location. The second stop was a hotel. Barry told Grusing in an interview that he had been waiting for someone to let him in so he could get a free breakfast. The entrance to the hotel has a trash can, Grusing said, but Barry never threw trash away here. The third stop was a McDonald's. Grusing said Barry claimed he put garbage from his truck into a trash can at the restaurant, but didn't eat there. He was seen on surveillance footage throwing away trash. When asked about this, Grusing said Barry called himself a tightwad and didn't want to pay to throw trash away. Okay, that's not far-fetched. That is not far-fetched. I know a lot of people who live in the country who don't want to pay for trash pickup. So they haul their trash and dump it in dumpsters or whatnot. The fourth stop was a men's warehouse. Grusing said that Barry did not recall dropping off trash here. There is no surveillance camera footage of him at the store. As previously mentioned in the hearing, Grusing previously said Barry spent 40 minutes in that parking lot. So, if there's no video surveillance of him at the men's warehouse, why is Grusing say he was there for 40 minutes? Or was he just sitting in the parking lot? Confused. Do I have chat on members only? <laughs> I think I do. Hold on, you guys. I'm so sorry. I am so, so sorry. So I'm like, no one's chatting. What's going on here? I'm not forcing you guys to become members. I'm so sorry. But welcome Christina Gant and welcome Jenny Penny. Thank you for joining. That was already <laughs> You guys were all like clawing at the gates to get in. Welcome, welcome. I just realized that. I'm looking. I'm like, everything's green. What's going on? 
Oh my goodness. Good morning. <laughs> Shall we open the floodgates? I'm so sorry. It was already set from whatever last live stream I did on this stream key. Hey, April. All right. Now that everybody can chat, welcome. Hi, Jason. Happy belated birthday. Yesterday was Jason's 44th. Yo, yo, yo. You're almost in the mid 250, Jason. <laughs> All right, guys. So have fun chatting now that we've opened it up. Let's get back to the info. All right. So the men's warehouse, apparently he was in the parking lot for 40 minutes. The fifth stop was the Holiday Inn. Surveillance footage captured him walking across the parking lot and passed several visible cameras and signs about surveillance. Enhanced photos showed that he threw out some items, including a plastic tree pot, as shown in court. Nielsen asks if Grusing's theory is that Barry drove from Salida to Broomfield carrying evidence of a murder, and Grusing responded, yes. Nielsen then asked about a tranquilizer dart cap that was found in the dryer of the Morphew home on May 19th. Barry said he was not sure how long it had been there and that he had nothing to do with it. <coughs> Happy birthday, Kathy. Hi, CCC. There was a discussion if in the court if the cap was the correct word for the item and judge the judge said it was not totally accurate da jeff lindsay would later call it a needle sheath however it was referenced as a cap later in the hearing on monday grusing confirmed it was not clear how long it had been inside the dryer the cap was tested for dna and barry's dna was not a match he confirmed i wonder whose was during a search of the home, investigators also found a tranquilizer gun that did not work and some empty vessels of the darts, both in the garage. No other darts were found around the home. What do you guys think of the dart situation? They found a dart gun, a tranquilizer gun that didn't work, and they found a cap in the dryer. To me, I, that's not enough. That wouldn't be enough for me to hold him over for murder. A broken tranquilizer gun. I mean, how was it broken, I guess, would be a lot of the, the questions, too. You know, how was it broken? Did it appear that it may have been broken destroyed after the fact you know what i mean like what state was it in as far as being broken broken can mean a lot of things i think he was a big game hunter if i'm not mistaken he had been big game hunting Pretty sure they use them in big game hunting. 
don't quote me, I'm not a big game hunter, but I had an uncle that went hunting for elk before, and I believe they might use that. I don't know. I'm not a hunter, but I've heard of it before. Hi, Rose. Okay. Oh, shoot. The defense also went over some text calls and messages between Suzanne and Barry and Suzanne and Jeff Liebler from May 7th to 9th. Liebler is the man Suzanne had been having an affair with for about two years. The last LinkedIn message, now Suzanne and her boyfriend were messaging on LinkedIn because Barry was suspicious. There you go, Brennan. Code of many colors, not very, very long. Read what Brennan said. Oh, I know, chasing chipmunks. Okay, so they were communicating on LinkedIn. The last message was at 2.07 p.m. on May 9th. 35 minutes later, Barry arrived home. Okay, there you guys explained to everybody the tranquilizer situation. But it didn't work. In a redirect, DA Jeff Lindsay confirmed with Grusing that on the morning of May 10th, Barry turned left on Highway 50, the opposite direction of Salida and Broomfield. Suzanne's helmet was found further up the road on the left, Grusing said. Barry later told Grusing that he saw an elk herd up the road that way and wanted to see if they were shedding their antlers. So he went up that way a bit before turning around in Garfield and going to Salida. Grusing said Barry estimated this happened around 4.30 a.m. 4.30 a.m.? Right after he left for work? Lindsay said the drive from Salida to Broomfield is about three hours each way and noted that Barry's cell phone was in on airplane mode from 10.17 p.m. May 9th until 4.30 a.m. May 10th. Lindsay asked Grusing if that was enough time to leave the Morphew home, drive several hours, and dispose of a body. Grusing replied, it is. Lindsay then moved to discussing the needle sheath, or cap, found in the Morphew's dryer. Grusing said Barry said he shoots deer. Here we go. He shoots deer with the tranquilizer gun from his garage, but hadn't used it since April of 2020. Now, back to the airplane mode. In the previous uh, testimony, they did say that the signal was weak and it could appear that Barry was in airplane mode. But really, it could have been a lack of signal. So I'm not getting an exact science from the airplane mode versus poor signal or no signal. According to Grusing, Barry said, quote, it could have been in the wash, but it's got nothing to do with me. But see, I hate that because you know that makes me look bad. But if it's leaking from Chafee County, it's no wonder people in this town hate me.
There was also a brief discussion about deleted messages on Barry's cell phone, including one sent from Suzanne that read, quote, I'm done. This one was recovered, but others were lost. Grusing also confirmed that it is possible Barry was tracking Suzanne. There was an objection to this in court, but the judge overruled. Grusing was then excused from the stand. I wonder what evidence they have that says Barry was track possibly tracking Suzanne. The only time I've really used airplane mode is when I'm on an airplane, to be honest. But I think you can still, I still, I think they can still track GPS. I think that's what they said. But then they were going back and forth about whether it was no signal or airplane mode. And I think that there was a testimony from somebody that said it could be either. So that's, I don't think an exact science there. As far as in this preliminary. <clears throat> CBI agent Derek Graham was the next witness called up. He was the fourth person to testify in the preliminary hearing. The prosecution brought up photos of Suzanne's helmet, which was found westbound on Highway 50, half a mile west of County Road 225 on the south side of the highway. Graham confirmed, as discussed previously in the multi-day hearing, that the helmet had just minor scratches on it and didn't have evidence of a crash. It had Barry's phone number inside as an emergency contact. The prosecution then brought up photos of Suzanne's vehicle in the home's garage. The photos show two tubs of hot tub chemicals and a camelback water bladder, similar to the one she would have brought with her while riding. The photos also showed her purse in the car, which had her ID inside. Photos from the inside of the house were shown, including one of the daughter's bedroom. One of the daughter's bedrooms. The bed was stripped and the sheets were in the dryer where the cap was found. The prosecution also showed a photo of the spy pen, which was given to Suzanne by her friend because she suspected Barry might be having an affair. It ended up revealing in November 2020 she had been in a two-year affair with Jeff Liebler. The two had gone to high school in Indiana together. In cross-examination with defense attorney Iris Eaton, Graham confirmed that the tire track casings found where Suzanne's helmet was located did not match Barry's truck or two Range Rovers. DNA collected from the helmet also did not match Barry's DNA. Wait a minute. What? The tire track casings found where Suzanne's helmet was located did not match Barry's truck or two Range Rovers. Hmm. And then the DNA from the helmet did not match Barry's. Oh, I know. Two Range Rovers. 
In a redirect, DA Mark Hulbert, Hurlbert confirmed with Graham that men's khaki shorts and other clothing, all which was consistent with that Barry was seen wearing May 9th on surveillance footage, was found in the dryer. Graham discussed three places in the Morphew home that were searched by law enforcement. One of the daughter's bedrooms where sheets were taken off the bed and found in the dryer, the laundry room where the dart sheath was found, and the garage where the tranquilizer darts were being kept. The court took a break around 10.20 a.m. After the break, Sherry count... Sh oh my gosh, maybe I need a break. Let me take some coffee. Let me take a little coffee break. Exactly, Heather, what do they have? Everything so far has not linked Barry. At least by DNA. I'm wondering what they have that they think is going to bind him over for murder charges. All right, so we are back from the break, and Chafee County Undersheriff Andy Rorick described going to the Morphew home after receiving the missing persons report on May 10th. He arrived five minutes after Barry Morphew and seized Morphew's truck immediately. Rorick said investigators found an unspent 22 caliber shell on Suzanne's side of her bed, along with a Bible and other books. He said her journal was missing, but materials similar to the journal were found in the home's fireplace. Hmm. Rorick mentioned, this is so weird, that he felt it was suspicious that Barry Morphy was not asking any questions the first night and not trying to call his wife's phone. He said Morphew didn't even look at the bed, which according to interviews, was the last place he saw Suzanne. He also talked about Barry Morphew's hands and arms showing injuries in various stages of healing when he was photographed on May 13th. Morphew's attorney, Iris Eaton, mentioned that a selfie Suzanne took and sent to Liebler on the afternoon of May 9th did not show blood or tears on her bikini at the time. Tears, sorry. Did not show blood or tears on her bikini at the time. And none were found on it when investigators found it in the bedroom closet the next night. After a lunch break, Eaton continued to cross-examine Rorick about DNA found on Suzanne's bike. And the defense and prosecutors argued back and forth about whether Barry Morphew touched the bike and about his alleged injuries to his arm, arms and hands. Discussing why Suzanne's ID was left behind, along with clothes, Rorick told the defense that sometimes people want to get out of marriages and will run off sometimes and take their belongings with them and at other times, leave their belongings behind. <clears throat> Later in the afternoon, prosecutors walked through Barry Morphew's trip to Broomfield and work at the job site, which was discussed earlier in the hearing, regarding the overwhelming smell of chlorine coming from the room that he originally rented. The hotel manager wrote in a letter 
that that particular room was directly above the indoor pool at the hotel. But it was unclear whether or not the pool was filled at that time because of COVID-19 precautions. They can't figure out if that hotel had water in the pool or not. What? The defense also noted that though investigators suspected Barry Morphew was having an affair with a co-worker, they determined that that was not the case. Barry Morphew called the co-worker on his way back to Denver on May 10th, saying his wife was missing and that he suspected a mountain lion or cougar had attacked her. Still searching, having a hard time is a text that he texted the same co-worker a couple of days later. According to testimony, Barry Morphew told the CBI investigators and Suzanne, or wait, sorry, Barry Morphew told CBI he and Suzanne had steaks and sex on Saturday. <laughs> it's steak and sex Saturday. The day before she went missing, but later during testimony, Grusing said investigators found only one plate and knife. Morphew said perhaps they shared the stakes. After another break, <laughs> charming. After another break with Grusing, the retired FBI agent still on the stand, the court learned that Barry Morphew had asked Grusing during an interview about immunity, asking him, quote, can you give me immunity if I sit and just open up my life to you? End quote. Grusing said he believed that that meant Morphew believed investigators could help him out if he told them about Suzanne's disappearance and death. During an April 2021 interview with Barry Morphew, they asked him if he'd ever been violent with his wife. He said he, quote, never constricted her with his arms, but would brush against them. What? He said he never constricted her with his arms, but would brush against them. Investigators also asked him who the last person to see her alive would have been, and he agreed it would have been him. Investigators told Barry that Liebler and Morphew would exchange good night and good morning messages, but those stopped after the afternoon of the 9th. Morphew asked during the interview if there was any evidence of anyone getting into his house after he left, and he was told there was not. But wasn't the surveillance cameras disconnected? Is Coops in here? Coops. So the surveillance footage was not working. So they told him there was no evidence of anybody coming in, but if the surveillance wasn't working, there could have been. So he told the investigators that Su that he had Suzanne come talk to him about getting a divorce or that Suzanne came to talk to him about getting a divorce. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me start that over. He told the investigators that had Suzanne come to talk to him about getting a divorce, he would have written her a check, given her half of the money and, quote, let her go her own way. 
I don't know if I believe that, Barry. I don't think I believe that. Barry Morphew also said he heard Suzanne snoring lightly when he left their bedroom. A Colorado Parks and Wildlife veterinarian told the court that if a person shot with a tranquilizer dart is on their back, it would sound like they're snoring and it would likely take two to three minutes for the dart to take effect on a person. When Barry was arrested in May, Grusing was in the back of the patrol car with him. Grusing said Morphew asked him how I could do this to him and said he trusted me. Grusing was questioned late Monday afternoon by Nielsen, who told the court that in numerous interviews in 2020, Barry said repeatedly he did not know about his wife's affair. Prosecutors have worked to paint the picture that he caught Suzanne texting with Liebler the afternoon of the 9th and killed her. Another FBI agent, Ken Harris, is expected to testify Tuesday. Tuesday's hearing be begins at 9.30. So, we still have another hour before they begin for today. Yes, if you guys missed the previous days, I have day one recap and day two recap up on my channel. So I I don't feel like there was anything damning yesterday that would be like, oh yeah, he's going to be held over. What emojis, Sister Knives? I haven't seen different emojis. Um, but anyways, that is day three. And it's really kind of, I mean, not that eventful. They kind of went over the stuff they've already talked about. I think he's cocky too, but we will see what happens. The bottom line is no matter how cocky he is, no matter how much we believe that he did something, um, they have to have enough to convince the judge that they have enough to bring this to trial and they have enough evidence to, to, you know, prove their case. So let's do a little poll before we leave here, before we, we quit for the day. And, um, I know all of you guys probably are going to follow Twitter today, but we will talk again tomorrow at 10 AM Eastern, but I want to do a quick poll before we leave. Knowing what you know now, hey Alex, knowing what you know now, could you, if you were to decide if Barry is going to be held over for first degree murder charges, would you be able to hold him over with a clear conscience if it was you? Put a one if you think that the prosecution has shown enough evidence to put Barry on trial for his wife's murder. Put a two if you don't think they've shown enough at this point. Most of you think that they have, they've shown that they have enough. I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. I'm I'm anxious to see what comes out today because today is the last day. But you're right, Janice. It doesn't take a ton. It doesn't take a ton. 
But right now it all sounds very, very circumstantial. But see, they don't have to bring out the big guns right now. They just have to bring out enough to bring it over to a trial. And then that's when they bring out their big guns. Sister Knives. I know some people do. Oh, insanely. I hope you guys are all safe there in Tennessee. All that, all that rain. We're thinking of you guys. Debbie said one. 140 pages of evidence. There's obviously a lot more to go. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lisa Discovers. Thank you guys for becoming members. Thank you for being here and chatting and even listening. Um, it all supports my channel and I appreciate you guys. Jason, the guy that was on the stand, Barry bribed. The one that he asked for immunity from. Alex, my chat yesterday was like 75% said they couldn't convict on what they've shown so far. Interesting. I would have to say that most of my chat was the opposite of that. I, I saw more ones than twos. So let's see what happens today. Thank you, Ted Robinson. Thank you so much. So let's see what happens today. And I will see you guys tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern for day four. Preliminary hearing, Barry Morphew recap. And I don't know if I'll see you guys in between now and then, but we will see what happens. We never know what's going on in this true crime world, but Summer Wells is still missing, you guys. And if you guys can share out any information about her, this needs to be solved. This little girl's been, been missing for two months, two months too long. So, all right, guys, you guys have a great day. Have fun watching Twitter. Go Lauren Scharf. See you soon. I don't give a damn. I don't really care about you and your problems. I don't give a damn. You talk way too much. I have heard enough about you and your problems. I don't give a damn. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com -E -E and save 15% with promo code DEAL. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. 
American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.